0: Blog Talk Radio. are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil morning show with your host Nadia Khalil good morning everybody and welcome to today's show today is the 20th of March and you know what we missed yesterday that it was the first day of spring and we missed it because we are so busy talking about this virus that has overtaken our lives. Um, But I do know that anyone across the world right now is probably in their home. It's like this weird kind of cool feeling that we're all together and also sad that people are getting sick and people are dying, and we are all trying to not get sick, not get each other sick, and... Some places are better at it than others. Um, There's places that are pretending it's not there, and they're all at the beaches and big crowds and all at the bars, and there's other places where no one's on the streets. Um, Where I live in Southern California, I haven't heard one car yet today. And normally people are driving to work this morning or in the mornings. When I get up, I can see them all going And today, I haven't seen or heard one car yet. So, we had what they call a safe at home order passed last night, where nobody, if you're not working an essential job like pharmacy, bank, food, or medical, or gas stations, you are not to even go to work. Those companies are all shut down right now. All businesses, every single thing is down. So there's nowhere for anyone to go except for a walk, and that's it. So that took place last night at midnight, and it's on, no cars on the street, nothing. So whatever it's like in your area, just be safe, take care of yourself, because this is like a little multiplier, and it has, right now, mind of its own because we haven't figured it out or have been able to stop it other than no interaction. That we know for sure. So at least we know that, and we're going from there. So I have a question today from Vincent Hawkins, and he says, Hello, Nadia. A question came into my head this week about the release of love through those big events like 911, and today with the COVID-19 virus. It must be like love's solar flare or solar, like S-O-U-L-A-R, flare, releasing energy, Releasing love. How does that work? Thousands of us back here at this time for this reason. Is this a bit too wacky and far out what I'm saying? Actually, it's not. And it's not because I'm thinking the same thing over and over again. I, I say to myself, you know, there are no mistakes, right? Not ever has there been a mistake. And we're all over here thinking to ourselves, Like, what do we do when something like this happens first? We feel together. It's the first thing that happens to any of us is we start to feel like you know what I know. Hey, we're in this together. And even though you may not know your neighbor, if you walk outside, you feel like this connection where you can say hi instead of I'll just rush through. It's okay. I don't know them anyway. We are starting to be conscious of our behavior. Imagine, let's jump three months in advance of today. Here we are. We're all in our homes. We are going to have spent more time in our homes in the next three months than we probably did in the last 10 years. Because we are not only in our homes and we're home from work, but we are also not going out. So we are in these, these homes that we have lived in for whatever length of time, but unique to this is that we're all forced back to the fork in the road of our lives. Every single one of us, no matter where we live, no matter what we do, no matter if we're a celebrity or not, no matter if we are working as a person with the garbage company, we're all in the same boat. Not only are we in the same boat, This virus is an equal-opportunity virus. It doesn't matter if you are the president of a country. The wife of the prime minister of Canada has the virus, of Monaco has the virus. People who we never thought would be like, oh, my gosh, and them too. Famous basketball players that we know of now have the virus. Most people are asymptomatic. 85,000 people have had the virus and recovered. And a little bit over so far, at least last night, 9,000 have died. But look at the response around our world because we don't understand its magnitude. And like I said, all we know right now for sure is the greater the isolation, the greater chance we have of not spreading it. So what happens to us psychologically? We're like, oh, my God, I'm home. And at first it's like this weird novelty, right? Like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? I have all this time. And then we do all the stuff that we've put off. And the craziest part of that is we realize that a lot of the stuff we put off, we were done within a week. And then you wonder how you put it off for so many years, how you couldn't find that time. But we have that time now. And we're so used to not having time that we don't even know yet what to do with it. But we're starting to settle this, that anxiety, that fear, that that not really seeing it anywhere. It's like one of those things that you think, well, how bad could it be? I don't see it anywhere. I don't know anyone who has it. I don't even know anyone who knows anyone who has it. But yet I'm part of the world again, and I'm listening to what they're telling us. Because it doesn't care who we are. And if I've lived kind of a low, under-the-radar life, this is one time that it works to my benefit because I wasn't out in bars or I wasn't at a movie theater in the past month or I wasn't where there was a big crowd where I would be touching things that I may not think about or have had to think about a month ago. But these things happen. And things like this don't just happen. They come at times where we were so far away, where stress and anxiety were the number one elements of our time. They actually represented this time in our history. Anxiety medications, ADD, were, were like eating junk, behaving to junk, responding to junk. We were so far away from ourselves that all I could think over and over again was what Christ said to me the first time I ever saw him. That your job is to bridge people's souls back to them. Well, if this isn't a huge push in that direction, because it's not my job like, oh, my God, I'm the one responsible for it. No. But since I saw him, everything I have written, everything I have done or said since the day I saw Christ till now is designed to have that material ready for us to bridge our souls back to ourselves. People who have seen him, there's a lot of people doing this kind of work. And instead of it being looked at as, oh, that's what you're doing. Oh, you saw Christ. Oh, whatever. I've noticed in the last week that that's gone. All of the creative people who've been doing things from heart that don't get compensated for it, there's no reward for it, that people say, oh, my gosh, you're doing that? How are you going to make a living but they did it anyway. They're the ones who have something to do right now. Because they were already doing it. Making films, writing scripts, all the creative. And there isn't one industry that hasn't been heavily impacted by this moratorium on our everyday lives. Our everyday lives included a lot of stuff we were doing that we didn't care about anymore. But we had to do it because there was no way not to do it. But all these predatory measures of of the way our credit cards work, the way parking tickets work, the way all these extra fees work that we could have taken that money and put into our families and our children. Keeping a lot of people below, below making what they need to actually live and taking advantage of them for that. Not paying teachers enough, and they're the of the future of the human beings that we have people going to schools and shooting them up and their friends and colleagues or anyone that's ever hurt them we haven't heard any of that in the past month nothing literally nothing We're taking a second look and a third look and a fifth look and a tenth look at how to deal with our homeless, of how to take care of mental illness. So have we been dialed back? Yeah. Does it make us feel confident in our world again? Yes. So the the questions that we have been wanting answered, the things that we have wanted to be addressed are all being addressed right now. Some of us are losing our lives because of this. And every day, some of us lose our lives because of something, because it's time for us to go. doesn't mean we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we we try to be one of those people but i really had to think about it if if it's me it's me but until it's me i want to do my best because that makes me feel good if i can help someone i will if i can do something that makes a difference i will If I can hear what other people are thinking, I will, because I love that. So this has brought together a consciousness of respect, of integrity, of, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with this time? I heard yesterday that people in the U.S. were putting up Christmas lights around their house. Because they wanted the world to be more colorful, even though it's not Christmas time right now. But what I thought about was, it may not be Christmas time, but this is a Christmas present to all of us. And if we can treat it that way, that the whole world just suspended itself. Like, literally came to a screeching halt. Like, someone took their foot and put on the brakes and just literally slammed the brakes and finally stopped at that red light. And the green light isn't up yet. I found that I'm savoring every day. Brushing, and then I go, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to rush. I could just breathe, and if I don't do this today, I can do it tomorrow. I'm finding that even sleep, I always sleep early because I wake up so early, but even with sleep, I'm like, it's okay if I fall asleep at 830. I love waking up early. I love when the world's not awake yet, and I feel like this little cocoon. That right now I have to harvest my own farm. What what plants do I have in my farm and why? And then I started last night and I, I told my daughter as we were talking because I'm not seeing her. She, she lives not too far, but far enough to where now we can't drive, right? No non-essential stuff. So she can't come. And I said, let's talk tomorrow morning about what to do in this time and she says like what because she works in film she does movies and she was supposed to start a movie march 31st and it had these she's like happy that it was just in this time zone and not connected to new york because then they've got two time zones going and new york is three hours ahead and she's like nope we're just on the paramount lot Everything's being filmed there. We can just work in real time. I won't have to get to work till 9 in the morning instead of 6 and all this stuff. And then she called me and she said, well, this was last week. The production industry is going down for now. It's going dark. I will not be back at work, at least in the foreseeable future, till the end of June. And I said, isn't that weird that you went from like, what felt like a 24-hour-a-day job with the last so she was on and she had some time off and she couldn't believe it. She didn't know how to deal with it at first. This was prior to the coronavirus. And now she can't go back. Her first question was, what do I do? And I said, believe it or not, you're going to survive it. But what do you want to do in this time? Like, how do we keep our minds going? And so I thought, well, it looks like for the next three months, And things can change as they have been every single day. But let's just say for whatever sake we can, we live in a big country, and for the virus to stop mutating and whatever, it may take, they're saying now, up to three months. Schools are saying, okay, we let you out, but uh, we don't think you're coming back till next September. And so it's like September has become this new goal because once summer starts, a lot of things stop anyway. So I said, let's start making, like, three-month goals so that when we wake up, we have a sense of order. Like, what have you wanted to do? Anything, from, like, building cabinets to once you've cleaned out your house, what do you want to do? What do you want to learn? Do you want in three months that you will have started working out and it's become a habit because anything you do right now, we have enough time to build it into our habits. And I told her, don't be surprised, end of these three months. We may have to stay in another two, but at the end of these three months, a lot of the stuff you're doing now, you're going to feel it just kind of disappear, You won't need it anymore, this rushing, this waiting in lines to get this and waiting in a restaurant to sit down, and you're going to start looking at your time different because what is going to happen to all of us, whether we realize it or not, whether we set goals or not, whether we create new habits or not, we are going to create a sustainable way that we know how to be when we are alone. It's just going to create itself. But sometimes just setting a goal gives us something to shoot for. So like if today, if we say, you know, I want to draw unicorns and I want to draw 12 unicorns by the end of three months, that's like, okay, well, that's 12 weeks. I I need to draw one a week, you know, just as an example. I want to tackle my house. I want to clean out my garage. I want to clean out my car. And once you get used to these things being clean or organized, you will do things like not accept that it's it's not that way later. If you just want to be more organized, create systems in your home that are more organized. It's a really interesting Thing right now. This is something none of us have seen. And I don't think we'll ever see again once this is over. You might want to look at the stock market. Everything is really cheap right now. I was a stockbroker out of college, if you could imagine. What a crazy world. I did it for like three full years. And I never, ever wanted to know another human being's financial personality again. It was so crazy, and at that time, people were getting 7% interest just in a regular bank account, so you could imagine the stock market, but I started in the stock market. I started in it the year it crashed. I was getting trained when it was going higher, 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 and then in 1987, I was in Chaska, Minnesota. Um, being trained to come back and work full throttle when I came back. It was a two-week training in a building that we were only allowed to go out on Friday night, and we just were like, what did I want to say, like a super tank of learning. And they came into one of the classes and said, at that time, 500 points was a lot. And they said, it's equivalent to what's happening now. But they said, well, the market just went down 500 points how are you going to deal with this when you get back? And I thought that it was an exercise because we were cut off from the world and there was no internet then. So there was no way of knowing or carrying around a phone that told you anything. All we had was them coming in and saying that. And we all came up with these hypothetical ways we were going to deal with it because none of us could imagine that it really happened. And to my surprise, I came back to that, and that's when I started my career as a stockbroker. And it wasn't easy getting there. We had to take a test. It's called the Series 7 test, and that test has a 20 to 30% pass rate. So if you don't pass that test, you can't be a stockbroker, and you have to know a lot. I studied for four to five months just to take that test. And when I came back, that's what we had to deal with. So I became a very conservative investor. And so I automatically got put into the realm of people who were retired, whose income I had to spin an income off of for them to live without touching their principal money. And at that time, Interest rates were high enough for us to be able to spin off an income, but it depended on how we invested it, and that was my niche. I was not one of those high-stakes people. And I saw the high-stakes people, and I saw their clients screaming at them, and I saw them fidgeting all day long, worried about the market. And I realized that's that's not my thing. But... Now we have this time again, but this time the world shut down with us. And it's not just about, well, I'm going to read a book. We've got three months. You can read a ton of books. (laughs) You can write a book. We have a lot going for us right now. And this is where our creativity starts to live and grow. And it's brought us together in a way that we could never have imagined. And it's here. If we ever reeled ourselves back to the moment, this is it. Everything we worry about that could happen tomorrow is gone. Everything down to paying a bill. Every single thing that was robbing us of ourselves, that was robbing us of our time, that was robbing us of our memories, that was robbing us of our futures, just took a backseat to our lives. And thank God. And good riddance. Because think about this. Could you imagine... After this is all over with, them coming back and saying, okay, we're going to charge you for everything again. I can't see that. I can't see it. We're going to charge you for everything again. Everything we took out that we knew was frivolous in the first place, we're going to put back. That's going to be hard to do. Taking all the homeless and saying, we're going to take you and put you back on the street, going to be hard to do. Not supporting lower-wage workers who we need desperately and not treating them like they are worth what they're worth will be hard to do. We did embark on an entire new paradigm right now. And even though we can't see that far, All I can see is that far. I can see today, but because I keep hearing Christ, I'm seeing past this event, this big news in our lives right now. I can feel it. I'm happy for people inside my heart. I'm like, hey, you homeless person that I'm watching walk down the street that makes me cry every time I see you that I pray for every time I see you. A lot of times in Origins of Truth, Christ says, help is on the way. Here it is. Help is here. We may not know what it looks like, but this is what it looks like today. This is what it feels like. This is what it brings to us. We are here. We got reeled back into the moment, and we can't even get out of being in real life, real time, real moment. And in my heart, I'm looking at this as the most beautiful time in our world, in my lifetime. Yesterday, when I was walking at the park, because that's all that's left, you can go out and walk. I can't tell you, it was starting to rain at the end of it, and I didn't care, but breathing fresh air. And when I did see someone from a distance, and I didn't have to know them, they waved at me. And it brought these tears of joy to my eyes that we are connected. We all know the same thing right now. I'm not so far in my head that I walk past people and don't even look at them. Or better yet, when I was in New York, don't want them to look back at me. There was a question Paul Clark asked last week, and it was on his birthday. He said, for next Friday, why is yawning so contagious? It's like it's a part of an international design because it reminds us that we are not too far apart. We never were. We never will be. And right now, that sense of appreciation, if somebody comes at us with something weird or off, we can say that was weird or off. I'm sorry, that's not my thing. And wish them well and send them on their way. We don't have to be negative. We don't have to hurt others. We are our best right now, and that is the biggest gift we've got. And I thank you all for just being here every week. I thank you guys for being part of my friends, and I will see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.